0: A-M-E-N, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, U-S-A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's
1: time for the General Cigar
0: Dave.
1: This is a very special weekend. It is not just the time where we recognize the unofficial start of summer, where we grill, we go to the beach, we play golf. It's far more important. We do not celebrate Memorial Day. We observe Memorial Day. When someone comes up to you and says, have a happy Memorial Day, please, I ask you to correct them. You observe Memorial Day, tell them there's nothing happy about Memorial Day. We pay tribute to the men and women, the fallen brave that are forever young on the battlefield that have represented this great nation. When you hear Memorial Day sales, walk into the store and say, pay respect to the men and women of our armed forces and change the name from Memorial Day sale to the start of the summer sale. We will observe Memorial Day on this very special edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Long Ash greetings and salutations, a Long Ash Snappy salute, Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha, make America great again, make masculinity great again, screw the enemies of pleasure. It is a delight to come to you from the Bad Monkey Military Bar in Ybor City, the historical heart of the cigar-making area of Tampa. We're hosted by Major General Dave Scott, United States Air Force, retired, who every year is kind enough to host us and set up some great people to join us and recognize the men and women of the armed forces, those who have served, those who are still serving. We have a fantastic show for you today, some incredible guests, a Silver Star recipient. We have a retired first sergeant in the Army who is involved in psych ops. We've got a Green Beret who not only is... An entrepreneur now making some great bourbon, horse soldier bourbon. He was the first to lead Russian troops into war, into the war on terror. We'll also talk with some uh, uh, great young men who are involved right now in Operation Startup. As they leave the military and begin their other pursuits, their other careers, we've got a guest that will join us. Florida for Warriors, Tamara Sugar, as we talk about PTSD and the importance of fundraising. And we've got a very special program. This is one of the programs I look forward to every year because we are able to talk to the men and women who we pay tribute to, I do at least, 365 days of the year. But as always, Memorial Day is not just a celebratory holiday where we go out to the beach, It is observed on the last Monday of May honoring the men and women who died while serving in the U.S. military defending this nation. And Monday, we will observe and commemorate Memorial Day, originally known as Decoration Day, originated in the years following the Civil War, became an official federal holiday in 1971. And as we do our tribute, our normal way to start the Memorial Day Remembrance Maneuvers, We will, number one, be joined by the legendary John Wayne for the Pledge of Allegiance, the great Kate Smith. We will not in any way, shape, or form hide Kate Smith and restrict playing God Bless America. We will be joined by the great Kate Smith God Bless America, kind of a new twist as we start Memorial Day observational maneuvers. Then the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, is sung by Buffalo Sabres vocalist Doug Allen. And finally, to remember our fallen brave, taps i ask you to pay tribute right now as we begin memorial day remembrance maneuvers
2: i
0: pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all
1: On this Memorial Day weekend, may all those men and women who served and paid the ultimate price no longer with us, may they rest in peace, and may their memories live eternal. I would like to welcome to our Cigar Dave Show microphones a very uh, special friend of the Cigar Dave Show, Major General Dave Scott. United States Air Force retired, also the owner-proprietor of the Bad Monkey, and uh, General Scott once again Many thanks for your wonderful hospitality and assisting us in lining up some truly great guests that we can share with our audience.
2: Thanks, Dave. We love having you here. This is, what, their fifth or sixth year? Fifth or sixth, yeah. Uh, It's always, I'm sitting here listening to the preamble to your show. It just makes me feel good. You set the right tone. So. It's our honor to have you here in Ebor City at the Bad Monkey.
1: Well, we appreciate it, and uh, we've also got Lieutenant Colonel Rob Schaefer, a, a Green Beret. I don't say former Green Beret, because once you're a Green Beret, you're always a Green Beret. And uh, one of the owners of Horse Soldier Bourbon, and amongst the first, I think the first to lead, now Robert Mueller, if you're listening, <laughs> stay down, stand down, the first to lead Russian troops into, war, into the war on terror. The first
3: U.S. officer in history to ever lead Russian troops in combat operations, yes.
1: Talk about that. That is fascinating.
3: If you remember back during Kosovo and uh, British General, I can't remember his name right now, but there was a British General three-star. Not Montgomery. uh, That was WW2. But uh, he... Wesley Clark at the time, who was the, the NATO Supreme Commander, right. after the Russians seized, the, the Russians were in Bosnia at the time. They made a lightning move into Kosovo. They seized the airport at Pristina. And uh, General Wesley Clark told the British General Jackson that he wanted him to go in and kick the Russians out of that uh, airport. And General Jackson said, I'm not going to start World War III for you. And instead, uh, they sent me and my special forces team over there, to, essentially, to handle the Russians. And so, we got the sector, which was called Kamenica at the time, and it was right on the border of Serbia. And at that time, the, the KLA, the, the folks over there called it the Uchika, they were constantly attacking still. And when the Russians moved in, they, essentially, they thought to themselves, well... You know, this is just kind of the same thing as the Bosnians because the Russians moved in there. They seized that airport to to get a place at the table so that they could have a say in what happened in that, in, in, in that uh, international conflict. So the locals at the time, they had no idea what the Russians were going to do. They All they knew was that the Russians were the bad guys, but our job there was to establish peace, was to make this this dangerous area into uh, a, a very peaceful place again. So, even though it was not technically a combat area, we were still the first special forces team in history to ever fire artillery in support of Russian troops. And the first unit since World War II to have done so and uh, at some point or another we established a rapport with the Russians because we pressed upon them the idea that the most important thing was making sure that we established peace that when we finally got some good intelligence from our side I was able to go to that Russian commander and say to him I I can't tell you everything sir but um, I'd like to have 150 of your troops tomorrow. I'd like them all to be in this place. Uh, I'm going to send two of my Green Berets with each of your groups. We're going to set up uh, corridors and we're going to take down and we took down 12 objectives all at the same time there was a lot of fighting um, there were many nights there where we would go out with the Russian troops they'd be in a BTR in front of us and what's a BTR? BTR is a, It's one of their um, infantry carriers it's, a, it's, it's an armored infantry carrier okay. as it is with, with kind of like a tank like we have Bradley's skin kind of thing so they have a BTR-80 in front, a BTR-80 in the back, and we'd be in an unarmored Humvee in the middle, and we'd have our night vision goggles on. You could watch the tracers bouncing off the front BTR. You could watch the, ba- the, the tracers, the bullets. When I say tracers, um, when you're firing machine guns, you've got a bunch of normal bullets, and then you have a tracer, which is coated with phosphorus, so you can kind of see where you're aiming it. So... When you see a lot of tracers coming down range, you're only seeing like one out of four, one out of five bullets. So you'd see the tracers knowing that there were a lot of bullets bouncing off the, the, the vehicle right in front of us, right right in the vehicle behind us, and nobody had ever aimed for us. But uh, that, was, that was the kind of thing that we were in right there. So we established a great rapport with the Russians, and then they essentially let us lead operations. And at the time, of course, nobody knew there were... Green Berets or Special Operations Forces in Kosovo, so they got all the credit for it. And then, of course, they looked like heroes, and once you do something like that, then it was Katie Barr the door. It was pretty much anything we wanted at that point, and we took that area from being the one of the highest uh, and most dangerous places to very quickly, in just a couple of months, being a very, very safe place again.
1: And how was working with the Russians? Uh, certainly must have been a little bit antagonistic at first, but obviously by the conclusion of the mission, you were all vodka drinking buddies, but what was it like at the beginning?
3: Part of the great thing about being a Green Beret is you spend a lot of time with people from different cultures, and we, we are all taught a language. It's, it's, to be a Green Beret, you have to, to be able to speak at least one language fluently. That's kind of our, you know, raison d'etre. It's, it's our reason for being there. And so having a Russian-speaking team means that we kind of already knew the culture, right? When I was a cadet, you know, I studied Russian history. I studied Russian culture. Uh, Guys on my team were, were really big Russian speakers as well, too. So when you go in and you're talking to them originally, they expect you to kind of be like, you know, big, tough guys. But they don't expect you to be able to, like, talk to them about Pushkin or things that really get to them right away. Like, I could sing Russian drinking songs to them better than they could. And that's because at the Defense Language Institute at DLI, right, they, we, we, have a, we have a Russian choir. Now, the word for choir in Russian is chor. Right. So I was a big fan of the Ruski Chor, right? So, <laughs> so, but but as crazy as it sounds, you know, then later when I was, you know, hanging out with a bunch of Russians, drinking a lot of, of, of vodka, when I started singing, you know, traditional Russian songs to them. That you pulled know, away, I'm sure. Yeah, it did. And, and so that's how you build rapport with them. Lots of different countries have a different way of of, of building relationships, right? So here in the United States... You know, we play golf, right? You want to do business with somebody, you go play golf or you do something else. In the Scandinavian countries, you get naked and you get in a sauna with them, right? The idea there is that, you know, everybody is the same in a sauna when you're naked and you go out and you roll in the snow and you do stupid things. But with the Russians, it's all about drinking vodka because they know that the kind of person you really are is going to come through after you've had a lot to drink. And if I ever had a superpower in my life, it was the fact that I was able to drink copious amounts of vodka and not get completely plastered. Now, it's not that they didn't try and kill me. First time I drank vodka with the Russians, I literally had alcohol poisoning the next day. But I learned very quickly not to do what Americans do at parties, right? At an American party, what do you do? You, you, you stand around, you walk around, you drink, you maybe have a little, you know, hors d'oeuvre or whatever. You don't do that at a Russian party. Russian party you sit down the table is laden with food and it's all really fatty food. So when you go over the first time you think oh you know I'm in great shape I'm not going to touch that stuff all that fatty stuff. Oh no, man you learn very quickly that that's the way to a quick death and alcohol poisoning.
1: Well I'll tell you what here in the US I like I prefer just getting together for a cigar rather than getting naked <laughs> in Scandinavian countries and going into a <laughs> sauna. It's much safer and also You've made the transition just like uh, uh, General Dave Scott, now the owner of the uh, Bad Monkey Military Bar. Real quickly, before we get to Litation and Libation Ceremony, Horse Soldier Bourbon, you along with Scotty Neal and a uh, group of other uh, former military men making some fantastic bourbon whiskey. Real quickly, how is the distillery coming along and the big show place you were building in St. Pete? Is it open yet?
3: We are. We've restarted construction. We cut a deal with the folks who own the building so we can be part owners. We didn't want to put a whole lot of money into something where we couldn't control the rent. But we're really pleased to say that uh, last month we've only entered two contests. We entered the International Spirits Competition in San Francisco where we won five medals for our bourbon and for our rum. And we won a double gold for our straight bourbon, and there were only nine double golds awarded. And, and which one do we have here? You're drinking the straight right now. You're I'm drinking per- the double gold winner right now.
1: All right, hold that, because we are going to conduct the National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony on our Memorial Day Observational Remembrance Show from the Bad Monkey Military Bar in Ebor City.
0: With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. And
1: I welcome Yanko Maceda of uh, uh, Tabanero Cigars, just about three doors down here from the Bad Monkey in Ybor City, keeping the tradition of cigar handmade cigar rolling alive here in the Cigar City of Tampa. Yanko, you gave me this Maceda. Tell me about this cigar.
4: Yes, sir. First, I wanted to thank you, everybody. The way you should share, it really make me feel the freedom of this great country. Thank you. Thank you very much, both of you, for the service. Uh, well, the cigar that we have today is a Toro, a Toro versus Matador. Uh, we were trying to kill that Toro. And it's, uh, it's it's come to a next level because we had Viso from Jalapa, so it's a little bit sweeter, but it's still a medium body cigar. And again, it's always tested through a drug Master, made in the USA by Cuban Artisans, especially right here in Tampa, Florida.
1: And the wrapper on this?
4: That is Ecuadorian Sun Grown.
1: Ecuadorian, beautiful, a nice Rosado, dark uh, wrapper. Thank you. Cigar
0: altering and highly sharpened, leaf-exposing device.
1: Actually, I grabbed a polio Cutter, a single edge guillotine from my uh, humidor just before I came over.
0: Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus.
1: Well, I got uh, this Bunsen burner from my buddies over at Alec Bradley. This is just—I'm telling you—you you could, you could roast uh, hot dogs on this thing. Just uh, got a big container, giant flame, big tank. That's what I would use today. Cigar,
0: Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all
1: enemies of pleasure.
0: Approval to go. Throttle up in three, two,
1: one. And as I toast the foot of this cigar, I will puff and rotate. Great draw. Mmm, nice flavor. And as we do that... Scotch, bourbon, and beer.
0: Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers.
1: All right, Lieutenant Colonel Rob, very quickly in 20 seconds, tell me about the Horse Soldier bourbon I'm going to be enjoying here.
3: So this is our most recent, it is a straight bourbon, which means it's been aged at least two years, but we age it three years, and it's uh, higher proof, it's 87. And uh, as a result, it has been getting, well, here at the Bad Monkey, they just sold 17 bottles in the last week. We can't keep it in stock, it's going crazy.
1: A lot of sharpness, a lot of oakiness on the palate. This is definitely geared towards a medium to fuller flavored cigar. This is not for amateurs. This is not for Wissified beta males. This is for USDA-approved alpha males. This has got some nice octane in here. There's no question about it. General Dave Scott, Lieutenant Colonel Rob Schaefer, Green Beret, Yanko Maceda of Tabanero Cigars, we thank you. We will continue our special Memorial Day edition of the Cigar Dave Show from the Bad Monkey in Ybor City.
0: This month's Cigar Dave Officers Club selection is a Perdomo Habano Reserve bourbon barrel aged vertical sampler including the Perdomo Habano bourbon barrel aged Maduro. This medium to full bodied smoke has rich robust flavors and notes of dark cocoa and roasted coffee. Get cigars like these shipped directly to you every month by joining the Cigar Dave Officers Club today. Get details at CigarDave.com.
1: The Ballad of the Green Beret, and it's appropriate as one of our guests in this segment, continuing from the beginning of the show, Lieutenant Colonel Rob Schaefer, Green Beret, also one of the proprietors of Horse Soldier Bourbon, General Dave Scott, the proprietor of the Bad Monkey, and uh, United States Air Force retired. And uh, I have to tell you, Lieutenant Colonel Rob, as soon as we started playing that, you shot right up, saluted, hand over your heart, got the pictures to prove it.
3: Well, you know uh, that's that's one of those things you got to stand for the national anthem and you got to you got to stand for the bout of the Green Berets when you're a Green Beret. So
1: outstanding. Now, uh, during the break, uh, General Scott, you told us a story in, during the first segment while Lieutenant Colonel Robb was telling his story about leading, being the first American to lead Russians post World War II in Kosovo. I noticed you were nodding your head in agreement, and you told us a great story that I think is worthy of sharing. With all the uh, all of our alphas and lieutenants that are listening on this special Memorial Day edition of the Cigar Dave Show.
2: Yeah, Dave, what I shared, you know, I'm listening to Rob, and there's a uh, there's a brotherhood among the military, the soldiers, the airmen, the sailors. If you're fighting for your nation, you don't you don't know about the politics. You really don't care. You're in there for. Uh, Your honor, and you're fighting for the people on your right and your left, and especially a Green Beret that works by, with, and through other military organizations, you quickly gain rapport. So I'm listening to Rob. I'm a little bit older. I got the the mission to go behind the the wall when the Soviet Union dissolved. So we were one of the first military aircraft back there. And uh, you know, the at that time, uh, the Soviet Union didn't uh, adhere to the international standards for aviation. So what does that mean? Well, descend to to 23,000 feet and and maintain this vector comes across in Russian. So we grabbed one of our crewmen who spoke Russian. They didn't accept credit cards, so we had a million dollars in $20 (laughs) bills in a valise. Uh, and, and we're back behind the a
1: million dollars in 20s oh yeah yeah,
2: yeah. and uh, the EWO had to sign for it so uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is when we land in Ashgabat Turkmenistan it's kind of at the end of our, our tour we were putting uh, diplomatic outposts in regions that we had no presence in most of these places were hotels so we're, we're kind of breaking new ground and um, the Instrument approach frequencies are state secrets. So we got an aeroflot navigator with us, and it's, it's, it's new. It's, it's new discovery. We land in Ashgabat, and there is uh, a hero of the Soviet Union. You know the Rocky Four, IV, Ivan, right. big, tall, blonde? This guy's wearing a great coat, and he's got a PVO Strani rocket badge. What that means is he's spent his whole life training to shoot down airplanes like the one I'm flying. And he's not happy. He's posted there. And it's a little rough introduction what initially broke the ice is we've been behind the wall here for a while and our russian speaker now he knows not only the language but how you get business done and you're very forceful so he comes down and he goes right to work and he starts directing the big russian rewind or fast forward this tape three days later we got invited to this russian's house and he over vodka like you were talking about he breaks down in tears and he said, you know, uh, my whole life, I, I'm realizing now I've been lied to. My, the politics of my country have been dishonest. And I feel a greater connection with your military crew that you brought through here than I, I have to most of the people I have dealt with in my life. And I know this is as close as I'm ever going to get to your country and taste the freedom. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to leave this moment. And that led to many vodkas. So... You know, the message here is pretty profound. Hate the politics, don't hate the people.
1: Absolutely. Right. And, you know, it's interesting when you do get to know them one-on-one. Remember, a lot of things in Russia, that this is what they've heard. They've been told. They've been brain Same thing with the Chinese yeah. uh, military. This is what they've been told, what they've been brainwashed. But when you get people together one-on-one, usually people yeah. say, hey, you know what? Let's have a cigar. Let's have a vodka. Let's have a whiskey. Yeah. And things uh, tend to change. I always like to ask this. And, by the way, we're the reason that we set up at the Bad Monkey. About five, six years ago, uh, General Scott was uh, kind enough to invite us here to do the show, and you told us about this special operations forces industry conference, SOFIC, that takes place the week before Memorial Day in the Cigar City of Tampa Central Command, which oversees one of the hottest regions in the world, the Middle East, based right here in Tampa at MacDill Air Force Base. And it's literally a who's who of military uh, brass, of of private contractors that descend upon Tampa. In fact, a number of years ago, we had Admiral James Losey, head of the uh, Navy SEALs, that you were kind enough to set up for us. But let's talk about that SOFIC conference. It's been going on three days. We're recording this show the Thursday uh before memorial day it just wrapped up today and the bad monkey starts getting very busy around this time of the evening but general scott tell us about that conference the importance of it and uh what what takes place at this conference
2: well the the essence of a world-class military force is, is the people and you have to equip your people with the best technology that industry can produce so You're right, in the Tampa Bay region, not only do we have a wonderful veteran population, but we have two really major Unified Command headquarters here. I forgot about the other one. Special Operations Command and Central Command. And we, uh, the Special Operations Command invites all industry in once a year to showcase the latest innovative, creative solutions to equip our warriors so that they're not getting shot in the face when they go through the door first and they need mobility and they need connectivity and increasingly, the power of information, knowing where to be, when to be, and what's going on around you for situational awareness. So all of this now moving into a, uh, a very complex battlefield environment that uh, you're difficult finding your friends and your enemies, and especially our special operators go in very, very light. And so they need extraordinarily capable equipment and great reach back to make them successful and protect them. And that is what we have uh, immersed ourselves in here for this last Special Ops uh, Industry Conference, and we do every year.
3: And and Dave, if I can add. Sure, absolutely. Is that, so there's an added importance to the SOFIC Conference in that um, it used to be that the procurement cycles for the rest of the military would take so very long. And Special Operations Community very quickly realized that that wasn't going to work for Special Operators because... With the way the technology moves, you would have really great products come out like right away. And what would happen is that within our community, right, we could reach out right away and say, you know what, we want that. So the M4 rifle that everybody in the military uses now was something that we had, you know, years ahead of time. And they realized that the, the process that we used in special operations to get that equipment. Be it could be consolidated, it could be shortened to a significant period of time. And once the special operators adopted a piece of equipment, it was kind of like a, a, an imprimatur, it was, it was kind of like saying that we don't have to worry that it needs to be approved by somebody else. So what happens at SOFIC now too, it's not just what the special operators are gonna get, it's really kind of a precursor of what's gonna happen with the rest of the military, because once special operations adopt something, it gets into the rest of the military much, much quicker because the procurement process is very different. So what you're going to see at SOFIC is not just what the special operator is going to have, but it's what everybody in the military is going to have within about five years then.
1: Colonel Rob Schaefer, Green Beret, and General Dave Scott, uh, our guests in this segment. I always like to ask, get a little personal view of your backgrounds, where you're from. So uh, Colonel Rob, where are you from originally, and what prompted you to say, I want to be a Green Beret?
3: So I'm originally from Kentucky, and that's where I met my, uh, my partner, John, in the distillery. You know, we were both Louisville boys, and, and we both went to the first golf war together. I became a Green Beret because when I was a kid— um, I started going to a karate school and my karate sensei was a Green Beret. He was one of the first guys and I just looked at this guy and I said, you know, that is everything I want to be in life. So when I got old enough, I said, you know, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to go and like be a Green Beret like my sensei was. And. Uh, And I didn't figure I was going to be in very long. You know, they have this GI Bill. I figured I'd get out. I'd do the GI Bill, do whatever, you know. And the great thing about the military, especially in special operations, is that you never get bored. Because as soon as you really get good at something, they give you a new job. They send you to a school. They teach you to be a leader at a different level. And you get a brand new thing. Like every three, four years, you... you, you're moving. You're getting something. And so, like, after this career of almost 29 years, right, I just realized, like, okay, I never planned on spending more than four years in. But it's fascinating, and you get opportunities that you don't get anyplace else. You get a chance to 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 be a part of things that are much bigger than yourself, to, uh, to, to actually influence things that uh, – make our world what it is you know and so that's that's a really kind of heady thing that you get so i feel very blessed you know a lot of people want to say thanks to us um they want to you know thank us for our service but for the most part i would and i think general scott would agree with me is that we get just as much out of it if not more than uh what we give back to our country so
1: well we i'm going to tell you we appreciate your service and uh I, was, I just find it fascinating to find out people's backgrounds. So one thing I've just learned, you're from Louisville. Not Louisville, Louisville. Louisville. Louisville, I pronounced it correctly. So therefore, bourbon is in your blood, and it all makes sense with Horse Soldier.
3: Absolutely. So like, you know, in the rest of the world, when you're a baby, they put milk in that bottle. When you're from Louisville, it's Maker's Mark.
1: Well, let me tell you what my mother did. When I was teething as a little baby, she used to take a little Crown Royal from my grandfather's stash, put it right on my gums, and it works like a charm. General Dave Scott, uh, tell me your background, where you're from. I think you're from Nebraska, aren't you originally?
2: Very close, Iowa.
1: Iowa, Iowa, nation's heartland. So tell us about your background and your career uh, in the United States Air Force.
2: A lot of us uh, have family to follow. So my dad was a Navy uh, anti-submarine warfare pilot, Korea War era, and uh, we'll actually do a Burial at sea for him on Memorial Day on the Victory Ship. You're going to talk to Bill Kuzmick, yes, I Yes, we are. Very important
1: uh, ship and some historical significance.
2: So, I mean, a little family there. In uh, northern Iowa, there's not a lot going on. You know, you're detasseling corn. You're pulling pigweed out and feeding soybeans and smelling the pig. Uh, I probably can't say that word <laughs> on your show. Uh, small high school, and um, everybody's going back to the farm, and I thought it would be good to do something different. So I got to fly. And, um, I'm What'd a, you fly? Well, behind you, I flew C-130s. Is that you right there? That was me.
1: Look at that. I, it looks good. So C-130 Hercules. Did you ever fly the one that had those afterburners on the back that go straight up?
2: Yeah, the Jado bottles. Jado uh, bottles.
1: That's it. Martin State <laughs> Airport, where I uh, got my pilot's license. I'll never forget. I'm standing on the tarmac one day. I just landed. I see the C-130 taken off. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And all of a sudden, the earth started shaking, and I see this afterburner. It looked like the yeah. Saturn V rocket going straight up. That looked like quite a ride.
2: It, it's a great airplane, and I'm a little bit different than your average Air Force officer in that I got into special ops world very early, and our term is, is joint ops called Purple. Um, I became my squadron commander was a green beret he was an air force officer who went through the q course and earned a green beret so he always taught us to pay attention to the ground troops what you do in your airplane has relevance only when it helps support the mission of everybody else on this team and one more comment on that dave it's very important you know we we opened the show on uh, memorial day talking about respect for the fallen in, in a military context but as we evolve as a society our police officers and law enforcement and ice and border security right. they're facing every bit as dangerous right. an environment as anybody on a, on a traditional battlefield and add to that our firemen you know when you run into a burning building instead of away from it in order to protect your community it's huge so we uh we're all i think the ethos is shared throughout our civilian counterparts Uh, Supporting our communities.
1: 100% agree. Do you still fly at all?
2: I don't. Well, fly with me. We'll we'll go flying together. I fly my bar. I've I've got a ship's (laughs) wheel up top there. You can come. How many hours did you retire with? Oh, man. uh, 6,000 ish. Somewhere around there. Well,
1: that's C 130 Hercules, one of the great airplanes. Radon and Tebbi, the Israeli, you, you get in and out quick short fields that really is an incredible airport and they're still building it today well
3: we like jumping out of it because primarily uh it wasn't as bad as a (laughs) c-140 so a c-141 so it was a much nicer exit when we had to jump out of it so
2: and and the heritage goes back to the c-47 to gooney bird and rob didn't tell you the uh american freedom distillery boys are going to jump into normandy this year for the 75th anniversary of d-day
1: that is fantastic. Well, you know what? We're going to talk about that because we're doing a special 75th anniversary D-Day show. We're the only broadcaster in America that has recognized the importance of D-Day going back now, I want to say 15 years, maybe longer, 20 years. So we're very proud of that fact. D-Day, that changed World War II and changed the face of the planet. And a lot of those young boys, uh, are not only Americans but allies, they went in knowing they weren't coming out. Talk about... Uh, Safe spaces today where kids on college campus need a safe space. If you say good morning the wrong way, there were no safe spaces, uh, you know, invading the beaches of Normandy. So, Lieutenant Colonel Rob uh, Schaefer, Green Beret, we appreciate you joining us. General Dave Scott, retired United States Air Force and proprietor. An entrepreneur now of the Bad Monkey here in Ebor. As always, many thanks for your great hospitality. We appreciate it every year.
2: My pleasure, Dave.
1: All right, when we come back, we'll be joined by Bill Quigley of Bunker Labs, a uh, sergeant in the Army involved in Psychops, has a book coming out as we conduct our special Memorial Day observational maneuvers on this edition of the Cigar Dave Show.
6: Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. As cigar
1: connoisseurs, we love going to our cigar retailer, walking into the humidor, checking out the sights, the aromas, seeing what's new in the world of cigars. Well, I've got a great way that you can get three magnificent cigars shipped to you every month without leaving your home or your office. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club, where every month you will get three fantastic cigars shipped to you. For May 2019, we're featuring the Perdomo Habano Bourbon Barrel-Aged Cigars, a vertical sampler of their Perdomo Habano Bourbon Barrel-Aged Connecticut, Sun Grown, and Maduro. Nick Perdomo has taken the combination of bourbon and cigars to the next level. Six-year-old wrapper leaves charred oak barrels, they're for 6 to 14 months. The results are spectacular. Even though the filler blend of Nicaraguan tobaccos is the same across all three cigars, the wrapper gives it a slightly different taste. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club and get three great cigars delivered to you every month. Go to CigarDave.com and join now. We continue our Memorial Day observational maneuvers from the Bad Monkey Military Bar in Ebor City, the really unofficial uh, evening home for all the attendees of the Sofic Convention, the Special Operations Forces Industry Conference. We're joined by Bill Quigley, a First Sergeant in the Army, and with Bunker Labs, Bill, welcome. You also uh, just published a book called Innovations Florida or Innovate Florida defense. First of all, tell me about where you're from, how you uh, began serving, and uh, what is Bunker Lamps?
7: Okay. Um, well, start from the beginning. I'm uh, originally from Portland, Oregon. I uh, grew up in the Northwest. Uh, straight out of high school, um, I joined the, uh, the service. So actually, I signed up about a year even before I was eligible. So I was 17 uh, when I came in, started my senior year of high school and um, knew that uh, I wanted to find my own opportunities and, and go my own way. Um, so yeah so I had the the privilege to serve for about 20 and a half years um, mostly as uh, psychological operations for about 18 years. And what is psychological operations? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk <laughs> that, about that. Glad you asked cuz uh, there's there's maybe a lot of uh, uh maybe misnomers uh, right. about what it might be and what we do. Um, so kind of the the storybook uh, you know the the book answer is uh, you know we influence um uh, use Information to influence foreign audiences uh, to achieve US objectives. And so, um, you know, the type of uh, influence that we do is using truthful information and then presenting it in a way to make uh, individuals, you know, behave uh, to achieve US objectives. Uh, so it's not something we do where we go out and we say we promote America and, uh, you know, we're so great or anything like that. And, and typically it's most effective uh, when people don't know that Very we're it. Very subtle. Ones. Yes. Very yes. subtle. Very subtle. So, but we try to take information that's already in the environment and then package, package it and um, get it out there. And so, where was your last stop? Uh, so my last stop was here at uh, McDill, so I worked. And you never so left? I never left. I never left. And uh, I, I had a good feeling that this is where I wanted to end up. I knew I wanted to end up somewhere warm. I had uh, traveled the globe enough. And um, once we got here uh, to Tampa, uh, me and my wife uh, both knew this was it. And I got to do a, a quick shout-out. Absolutely. Uh, because it is uh, me and my wife, uh, Amanda. It is our five-year anniversary today. Congratulations. So... Um, you know, excited for that, unfortunately, she had to go out of town of work, so we'll, we'll celebrate that tomorrow. We'll take it on. a month. don't yeah, worry.: We'll yeah. make sure yeah. you have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> she won't mind. she won't mind.: uh, it's, it's, a Good: uh, That's right. You're but, the alpha, that's how it but, works. But I have to say Tampa was so welcoming uh, to us when we got here, and that was a big part of why we knew we wanted to stay here. Uh, in Florida, in Tampa specifically. Okay, got a minute left, yeah. real
1: quickly. Bunker Labs, tell me about Innovate Florida Defense, the yep. book.
7: Okay, so uh, Bunker Labs uh, is a uh, nonprofit organization that helps uh, veteran entrepreneurs, uh, and so we help uh, provide resources, we create an ecosystem, and we uh, put on events, and so we actually had an event uh, last week here, Vincent Jackson was our, our guest speaker because he's a military brat, and so he kind of shared his experience, uh, is there, and um, yeah, so that's Bunker Labs. And then the uh, the Innovate book. So I'm putting together, I'm finding the most innovative companies throughout Florida that operate in the defense space. And I'm giving them uh, two pages to tell their story in our books. We actually include, we have augmented reality videos built into the book. And we have an online platform also. Um, and we crowdsource the books so nobody actually pays money to go into our books. They have the option later to then uh, you know to buy them but uh, we want to get we want to share everybody's story throughout the defense ecosystem
1: and the uh, website is innovations of the world.com that's correct yes all right bill Quigley, first sergeant army psychops, 20 years serving this country bunker labs and uh, author of the book innovate florida defense and uh, bill welcome well Glad you stayed in the Cigar City of Tampa. You got a cigar in your pocket, so clearly you adjusted and acclimated to the Cigar City very well. We will continue our special Memorial Day Observational Day maneuvers from the Bad Monkey, Ybor City. Hour 2 of the Cigar Dave Show is next.
0: This is AMEN, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network.
1: This is a very solemn weekend, Memorial Day weekend, especially on Monday, the observation of Memorial Day. And I remind you all that we do not celebrate Memorial Day. You do not say Happy Memorial Day to other people. And if somebody does wish you a Happy Memorial Day, I ask you as an alpha leader to correct them politely and say we don't say Happy Memorial Day. We observe Memorial Day. And if they don't understand the true meaning, Take a few seconds to let them know that there were men and women who gave their lives, paid the ultimate price, so that those people that you are talking to could go to the beach, could play golf, could have a barbecue, could enjoy freedom and liberty here in the United States. Freedom is not free, and we certainly remember that on Monday, Memorial Day. And several other items of tradition that I want to just remind you of, that on Memorial Day it is customary to fly the flag at half staff until 12 noon and then raise it to the top of the staff until sunset. And at 3 o'clock, we ask everyone, and this is an unofficial tradition, it should really be an official tradition, 3 p.m., stop for a moment and uh, just remember all those Members, uh, Americans that uh, pay the ultimate sacrifice, and those that serve that are no longer with us, and just remember them for a few seconds and, uh, and in your quiet way say thank you to them. We never forget all the men and women that serve this great nation. We continue our special Memorial Day observance show from the Bad Monkey Military Bar in Ybor City, Florida, the historic cigar-making area of Tampa. The last day of SOFIC, the Special Operations Forces Industry Conference, as we record this show on Thursday, May 23rd, two days before we broadcast on Saturday, May 25th, and obviously two days before Memorial Day. We've had a great show so far. We've got another great hour planned for you, and we lead it off with a Silver Star recipient. My pleasure to welcome Colonel Jim Cordoso, Silver Star recipient, helicopter pilot uh and also uh, involved with the air commando association colonel pleasure to have you on and we thank you for your service thank you very much
8: dave pleasure to be here
1: colonel first of all where are you from tell us your background and how you got into the military
8: well i grew up in uh, born and raised in new jersey right across the river from philadelphia um Cherry Hill? Yeah, Cherry Hill. Very good. Well done, sir. Okay. Uh, My folks still live up there. Uh, Make sure they listen to this podcast so they can uh, hear their youngest son on the radio.
1: Cigar Dave mobile app. Make sure they download it or CigarDave.com. They're good to go.
8: Unquestionably. So I ended up, I went to the Air Force Academy, graduated from there, commissioned, and uh, shortly after that, uh, went into flight school, finished there, flew jets for a short time, and that was fun. uh, What's your flight? I flew the T-38. I was an instructor pilot in the T-38 Talon. And and that was a great uh, uh, operation, a great opportunity. But, you know, I wanted to be more on the tip of the spear. And uh, AFSOC, Air Force Special Operations Command, really prides itself on being on the tip of the spear, uh, doing those uh, high-risk, no-fail missions, working with our joint partners, the Green Berets, the SEALs, the uh, Combat Controllers, the Rangers. Uh, You know, they uh, do incredible work out there, but they need a ride to battle sometime. So I flew MH-53 Pablo helicopters, and I was their, uh, their taxi driver to get them where they needed to do uh, infiltration, exfiltration, resupply, special operations forces, and hostile territory. That was our mission. And we always prided ourselves being T.O.T., time on target, plus or minus 30 seconds. That was time on did. target,
1: plus or minus 30. Well, clearly, you're definitely not an airline. <laughs>
8: <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes, you know. Sometimes they do pretty well with that. But, yeah, we prided ourselves on that.
1: And how long did you serve in the Air Force?
8: I uh, served for 30 years. I just 30 reti- years? Yes, sir. I just retired last summer.
1: And where was your last uh, base? Where was your last command?
8: Uh, interestingly, my last assignment, I ran the Air Force ROTC at University of South Florida right here in Tampa. Oh,
1: so you stayed?
8: Yes, sir. So I served two years of Special Operations Command, and then I uh, did that for four years and just retired last summer.
1: And you're going to stay here? Absolutely. You know, we hear that a lot. Uh, it's, everybody we talk to... Yep, last stop was Tampa. I'm staying. Not a bad place to be. What's
8: not to like? I mean, come on.
1: Exactly. (laughs) A little humidity in the summer, but no state taxes, no snow in the winter, a lot going on. It's a totally different—I moved here 30 years ago. Very different city today than what it was, and it keeps growing and growing. And I should say, I'm a fixed-wing aviator, but I have tremendous respect for those of you that fly rotary aircraft because, man, that is not easy to do. I'm not sure I'm coordinated enough to fly a helicopter, a chopper.
8: Well, I was actually very blessed, too. Uh, later on in my career, I transitioned over to the CV-22 Osprey, which is the tilt rotor That is a cool airplane. Well. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I, I don't know was... what you
1: call a chopper plane. It's kind of a, a mix, a hybrid.
8: The FAA calls it powered lift because they don't lift. know what to call
1: it. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I had to evacuate for Hurricane Irma uh, back in September of 2017, So uh, I got uh, my German Shepherd Sultan and I. We went into Alpha Army 1, my plane, and we headed up to Charleston, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And uh, while I was there, I wanted to get out of the hotel, and the uh, FBO, the fixed-base operator that I I landed at, was dog-friendly. So I brought the dog with me, did some work, and there were a whole squadron of those powered lift devices, the Ospreys that came Uh in. And uh, many of them wanted to take pictures with the dog. They were great Chatted with them. They were going down to Naples to do uh, uh, basically hurricane relief, bring in supplies. So I got to see these things fire up and how they all take off, make a lot of noise. Yes, it's a
8: a, a machine. It It is a machine. It's a wondrous thing to behold.
1: What's it like to fly?
8: Ah, it was fantastic, especially being at the front end of it. I was initial cadre in it. Uh, actually, was the squadron commander of the first squadron in the Air Force. So, uh, surrounded by great uh, other you know pilots and aircrew members, and uh, it's it's neat to fly. So, as a helicopter guy, uh, helicopters are great. They right. have incredible mission uh, capabilities, but they don't go fast. That's they the one don't. thing a helicopter doesn't do. Right. CV-22 does go fast. So that's a nice uh, addition.
1: And, and but but it's interesting because it. It can take off straight up, correct? But I saw them using the runway, but they didn't use a lot of runway.
8: No, we do that sometimes, especially if we are really heavy. We'll use the runway to, you know, get a little lift under the wings when we take off, and then we transition the rotors forward and go right to airplane mode, as we call it. And uh, now we're basically a turboprop aircraft.
1: And how fast and how high?
8: Uh, usually we flew around about 250 knots. That's pretty uh, fast. Yeah, we could get up to 25,000 feet, max altitude. It's uh, unpressurized aircraft, but still, compared to what helicopters do, and don't get me wrong, I loved my helicopter time. I loved the crews that I worked with. Just the people I worked with was fantastic. Uh, CV-22 was a great machine, though. What
1: altitude did you normally fly the CV-22?
8: Uh, well, altitude. Well, well, if we were just cruising some there, we'd probably get up around 10,000 feet, but we were in a tactical environment. We usually did low level at about 200 feet above the ground. Wow, really low. Yes, sir.
1: That is incredible. Now, tell me about uh, your Silver Star uh, that was presented to you.
8: Well, uh, about 20 years ago, I don't know if you remember, we had our uh, Operation Allied Force. That was when the uh, uh, we had an air campaign against sir- uh, Serbia, Slobodan Milosevic. Sure do. Yep. And uh, on the no- third night of the war, uh, the uh, F-117 stealth fighter was shot down. I don't know if you remember that or any. I of do listeners remember, remember that. that. So there was a rescue uh, mission mounted to pick him up, and I was uh, on call that night, and I led the rescue to pick him up. You were
1: T.O.T. within 30 seconds, correct? Uh, it
8: was, a, it was <laughs> a long night. It was a very uh, uh, a dynamic night. A, 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 a Combat search and rescue is always a very dynamic environment, trying to figure out uh, where the survivor is, trying to figure out what the enemy is doing to counter that, because a, uh, a stealth fighter pilot shot down. That's quite a... Uh, a strategic value to the enemy to be able to sure. uh, you know, to take advantage of and, and broadcast their message as well to say, hey, we were able to shoot this guy down. So it was important to, the, to us as a tactical team, but it was important to the country as well that we were able to repatriate him.
1: That was pretty big. If I'm not mistaken, I think President Clinton lit a cigar on the balcony of the White House after it was announced that you were successful.
8: Is there any better way to celebrate than with a cigar?
1: I'm (laughs) hard-pressed to figure out. Cigar on a libation with your harem, you're good to go. No ifs, ands, or buts. So that really is an incredible story, and I'm sure that's a great memory that you never forget.
8: It it was. And, uh, you know, we went in. We had a a group of three helicopters. We had 37 crew members, all told, all members of the team, not just the air crew members. We had special forces on board, combat controllers, pararescuemen, Uh, all with their specific duty to do to help repatriate this guy. And I always say we uh, went in with 37, we came out with 38. It was a good day. Success. We
1: like that. Tell me about the Air Commando Association.
8: So the Air Commando Association exists. It's a national organization. We exist to preserve the heritage of uh, air commandos uh, across the world. So the Air Commando uh, uh, legacy has lasted since uh, World War II, actually, is when it started. Uh, so we, are, uh, we provide the opportunity to just preserve that legacy, to, uh, uh, to let uh, air commandos in the local area, we have chapters in multiple cities across the world, and let air commandos as well, as well gather together. You know, there's a certain bond that comes with being a, mil- a member of the military. There's a certain cohesion that comes with that. And, and so it's, a, it's an opportunity to get back together again. And also we try to do some things in the local community. We support some causes as well, and we're able to rally to help the, uh, the city of Tampa as well.
1: Outstanding. Well, Colonel Jim Cordoso, Silver Star recipient, helicopter pilot, and what, what were they called? Force, what, what was the other name for the, uh, what do they call Force airplane or... Powered,
8: powered lift? Powered, CB 22 CB 22 powered 22, lift. CB-22 Powered Lift. CB-22 Powered
1: yeah. Lift. I've got to remember that. Tilt-rotor Powered rotor, Lift. Tilt-rotor Powered Tilt lift. Lift. Tilt rotor, power lift. We appreciate your service. Silver Star recipient, our honor to have you on our Memorial Day observation show here from the Bad Monkey.
0: The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show.
1: As cigar connoisseurs, we love going to our cigar retailer, walking into the humidor, checking out the sights, the aromas, seeing what's new in the world of cigars. Well, I've got a great way that you can get three magnificent cigars shipped to you every month without leaving your home or your office. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club, where every month you will get three fantastic cigars shipped to you. For May 2019, we're featuring the Perdomo Habano Bourbon Barrel Age Cigars, a vertical sampler of their Perdomo, Habano bourbon barrel-aged, Connecticut, Sun Grown, and Maduro. Nick Perdomo has taken the combination of bourbon and cigars to the next level. Six-year-old wrapper leaves, charred oak barrels, they're aged for six to 14 months. The results are spectacular, even though... The filler blend of Nicaraguan tobaccos is the same across all three cigars. The wrapper gives it a slightly different taste. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club and get three great cigars delivered to you every month. Go to CigarDave.com and join now.
0: Service men and women who paid the ultimate price serving our country. We at The Cigar Dave Show thank all who serve, and we will never forget.
1: It is our Memorial Day observational maneuvers on The Cigar Dave Show from the Bad Monkey Military Bar, Ebor City, Florida, the historic cigar-making area of Tampa on the final day of the Special Operations Forces Industry Conference, (SOFIC) held here in Tampa. We're going to have a little little scuffle breaking out because we've got a Marine E5 and an Army E4, and we are playing the Marine Hymn. There's going to be a problem here, no ifs, ands, or buts, and it is my pleasure to welcome two men from Operation Startup, Hillsborough Community College, here in the Tampa Bay area, transitioning How to transition or help transition uh, military members, people that are retiring into entrepreneurship. We have got Deshaun Hines, Marine E5, and Jason Hendricks, Army E4. Gentlemen, go at it. Don't let me stop you here. (laughs) Not not a real fight. You know, Marines always win, but not not too much now. (laughs) All right, so Deshaun, tell us about Operation Startup. It's very important. We've got a huge. Military retiree base here in Tampa, MacDill Air Force Base, Central Command, Special Operations Forces Command. People, when they retire, they don't leave the Tampa Bay area for good reason. So first of all, tell me where you're from. Uh, Originally I'm from Syracuse, New York. I went to Syracuse University. I'm an orange man. I knew I liked you. Go orange, baby. (laughs) What (laughs) part of Syracuse?
9: Oh, I was from the bad side of Syracuse, uh, the southwest side.
1: Southwest? Okay, (laughs) did you ever go to a restaurant called Aunt Josie's Italian Restaurant on North Salinas Street downtown? I know where it's at. All right, did you ever go to the Varsity? (laughs) I know. You didn't go to the Varsity for (laughs) pizza? Come on, man. Everybody goes to the Varsity. So uh, Syracuse, and uh, when did you leave Syracuse?
9: I left Syracuse. Hey, this is probably about maybe 2000, and went to South Carolina, went to high school there, and joined the Marine Corps out of there.
1: You better be an Orange fan.
9: Absolutely, 100%. Okay, just 100%, checking. 100 I bleed orange. we got a
1: great coach, man, for football, <laughs> Dino Babers. Jim yes. Bayheim weak, he needs to retire, but we won't get into that. All right, so you're from Syracuse originally, yes. and uh, South Carolina, and then tell me, you enlisted in the Marines. Yes, I uh, went into the United
9: States Marine Corps uh, right out of high school. I knew that if I went to college, I was going to drop out because I was bored with school, so I decided to go and do something, uh, serve my country. I originally, uh, the reason why I went in, because I saw the guy coming out of the water in the poster, and I said I wanted to be that guy. Uh, I didn't realize the training that it took to do that, uh, but once I found that out, I quickly was like, you know what, <laughs> this is real. So uh, I decided to go in as a combat engineer, served uh, eight years, four months, 27 days. And uh, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I decided to uh, take my luck with school. And God was so blessed to meet Andy and Beth, and uh, was part of the uh, you know their guinea pig uh, when it comes to starting up Operation startup, the entrepreneurship program at HCC.
1: So when you left so. the when you retired from the military, your final stop was here in Tampa. Yes, it was. At, McDonnell. at
9: McDonnell. Uh No, no. I uh, my final stop was Chesapeake, Virginia, security Chesapeake. forces. Okay. And I uh, got out from there and drove down here to Florida, Tampa, Florida, and never left.
1: That was it. All right, and uh, tell me, Jason Hendricks, Army E4, where are you from originally? I am from
4: Dallas, Texas. Dallas. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, uh, yes, women with big hair, big boobs. Everything Can't is big Can't go wrong with that, Texas. man. I'm Nothing wrong. To tell you. Don't
1: mess with Texas. I'm t- look at these guns now. Like, I'm, I'm telling now. you, man, look at those guns, man. <laughs> Jeez. You know what? You remind me of Ed league, that NFL referee that had the big <laughs> yes, guns, yes, right? Yes, there I'm <laughs>
4: a little bigger, but, <laughs> yeah, I got that, you. That,
1: that, there you go. All right, so <laughs> Dallas, Texas, and uh, tell us uh, how you listed in the Army and where you served.
4: Yeah, so I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. I have 11 brothers and sisters, and I'm number 12. Whoa. Yeah, I come from a very big family. Uh, my brothers went into the military, so I decided to, I want to follow his footsteps. So I enlisted into the military uh, straight out of high school. Once I made that uh, transition into the military, I went in as a 13 Delta field artillery uh, specialist where we uh, blew up a few things. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> <Once> I uh, <laughs> And he's got a big smile saying that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: when you're artillery, you can't do nothing but smile while you're blowing it up, That's right. right. <laughs> uh, once I transitioned out of the military, um, I, I worked a recruiting uh, company at Epic Health Services and I built a program for them and I realized, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, so then me and my wife, we wanted to travel, so we put a few states in a hat and uh, we poured out Tampa, Florida. I got here, started with Operation Startup. I had a thousand ideas. Every day I had a new <laughs> idea and they helped me narrow it down and now I have a business that's bringing in revenue every day. All right. Now let's
1: talk about, we're going to talk about your business, but let's talk about Operation Startup. Yes. What is yes, it?
9: Yes. So, Operation
1: Startup, I'm trying to give you my version
9: of what it is, but in essence it's the Innovative Lab, Innovation Lab that, uh, and co-working space that offers mentorship, uh, collaborating space, uh, educational programs. Uh, events, networking opportunities, and, uh, you know, mainly for veterans. I like to say that they specialize in serendipity, you know, taking, uh, you know, uh, situations by chance and turning them into, you know, opportunities for people to just have accidental positive experiences, so to speak. They originally started it because uh, Andy I love them to death, they never served a day in the military in their life. And they were tired of seeing veterans get out of the military and have to start from the bottom. They have all this leadership experience, right. all these skills, and they said because they don't have a degree or they don't have civilian experience, they have to go and start from the bottom work their way up. So they said, why not start your own company? They have all the tools necessary, they just need to point in the right direction because they're some of the greatest people in the world. So they started Operation Startup uh, basically by a, with a certificate program at ACC with specifically for veterans, and then they ended up uh, realizing how great, what a uh, great thing that they had, and grew it into a successful business that uh, constantly brings veterans, uh, help them with transitioning, and helping them start their own companies. Even if they don't start a company, it helps them with transitioning at the very least. So,
1: So Deshaun, you're one of the instructors there?
9: Uh, no, I was. You're a graduate. i was a graduate, yes. I went through the program, and uh, now work at ACC helping other veterans get into the program and uh, using their benefits to get in the program. So Outstanding.
1: All right, so, Jason, you say you're bringing in revenue every day. Does your business have anything to do with blowing things up?
4: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, maybe people smiles, right? All right, there you <laughs> that's go. That's about it.
1: All right, so tell me about your business.
4: Yeah, so uh, I have a gifting platform that allows users uh, to use my platform to uh, buy gifts for their recipients. A lot of our customers consider as like the Uber Eats for gift-giving. Okay. You know, so with a lot of people, they forget birthdays and holidays. And right. they remember at the last minute, oh, snaps, it's my wife's birthday. You know, right. so they called me up and, hey, can you go to Dillard's and pick up her a bag and some shoes and deliver it to a job? And so we sent out a driver out to pick up that item and, and to put a smile on his wife's face. So you're like a gift concierge. You, you got it. You know what? I think <laughs> I'm going to change the name to gift concierge. Well, what's the name of the company It's now? Forgot or Not. Forgot or not? Forgot okay. Or not. And what's
1: the website? www.forgotornot.com. Forgot or not.com. You got it. I like that. So basically, is this just in Tampa or anywhere? It's in only
4: in the Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay area. area right
1: now. Gotcha. So when did you start this?
4: I started this. I joined the program. I went through their veterans program, and then I went through their certificate program where Deshaun helped me enroll into it. Uh, so I, I, re- I launched it uh, on Mother's Day. Um, so we've been in operations for about a few weeks. And. It- Obviously, you're bringing in revenue, you Bringing in revenue. It's a big need here in Tampa. For some reason, man, forget. Gee, that's shocking,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> he is driven. But you know what? That's, no a, that's a great idea because we get busy and say, oh, you know what? What am I going to go get or whatever? I got to schlep into the mall. So I call you or go online. And what happens? You fill out what the, who that's for, what you need, how much you want to spend, and, and how do you charge for the service? By the hour, by the... By the gift giving, how does it it's, go?
4: It's the, as far as the pricing stretch is, $49 for a same day delivery. Uh, oh, but for beautiful. those people who are on the platform,
1: uh, it's $35. Beautiful. So basically, <laughs> I can go on your website and I can say what I'm looking for, and do you send pictures to the person saying, hey, this is what we've got in mind?
4: You got it. It's like, you, you sure we haven't done business already before?
1: <laughs> Listen, we have not. <laughs> okay. We have not, but we will. <laughs> Listen, for 39 or 49 bucks. That's, that's cheap, because now I can tell you, look, this is the parameters. This is what I'm looking for. You go out, do the legwork. You do the schlepping. Make me look good. I'm trying to tell you. You are in the make me look good business. You know what? That's it. <laughs> that's we,
4: it. We stand along long lines for you. We fight the traffic, and then we hand deliver the gift. And if you use that
1: slogan, there will be an invoice coming yes. <laughs> your way. And by the way, I should say, these guys are so big, they've got their own photographer coming along. <laughs> and actually, it's Jason's uh, brother, Deshaun Hines, Jason Hendricks, Operation Startup, Transition to Entrepreneurship. Gentlemen, congratulations. Thanks for joining us.
0: You need to add some alpha to your Facebook newsfeed
1: By following The General,
0: you'll get the latest intel in the world of cigars. Info on the show each week. And see what The General is smoking. Click like at Facebook.com slash Cigar Dave.
5: quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight.
0: this weekend died for the freedoms we enjoy today the cigar dave show would like to remind you that memorial day is observed not celebrated so while you enjoy the holiday weekend never forget the sacrifices our soldiers made preserving our way of life
1: our memorial day observance show here from the bad monkey military bar in ybor city the historic cigar Making area of Tampa. Last night of the Special Operations Forces Industry Conference, SOFIC, as we are recording our Memorial Day show on Thursday, May 23rd, our access to incredible guests that we have had so far on the show, really unparalleled. And it's such a high honor to be able to speak to members of the military, retired members of the military, talk about their service, where they're from. And I know that you enjoy hearing... Their background, hearing about them and how they have served this great country. And uh, Colonel Jim Cordoso, a perfect example. Silver Star recipient, incredible story going in uh, 20 years ago into a uh, hot zone to bring back one of our uh, missing or, or uh, shot down uh, crew members uh, from the uh, Air Force. Now, there is a tradition on Memorial Day, before we go to our last segment, that I do want to spend just a couple of minutes discussing In World War I, 1915, following the Second Battle of Ypres, Lieutenant Colonel John McCrae, a physician with the Canadian Expeditionary Force, wrote the poem, In Flanders Fields. And its opening line refers to the fields of poppies that grew among the soldiers' graves in Flanders. In 1918, inspired by the poem, In Flanders Fields... Moina Michael, a YWCA worker, attended a YWCA Overseas War Secretary Conference wearing a silk poppy pinned to her coat and distributed over two dozen more to others present. In 1920, the National American Legion adopted it as their official symbol of remembrance. And Moina created her own poem, and I will read it and share it for you now. We cherish, too, the poppy red that grows on fields where valor led. It seems to signal to the skies that blood of heroes never dies. And you will see many people on Memorial Day. Mostly you'll see Canadians and Brits. I know Mick the Brit always wears the red poppy uh, for Memorial Day or to remember the fallen brave. And I'd like to see more of us here in the United States do that. She conceived of the idea to wear the red poppies on Memorial Day to honor those who died serving the nation during war. Again, she was the first to wear one. She sold the poppies to her friends and coworkers with the money going to benefit servicemen in need. Later, a woman named Madame Guerin from France was visiting the United States, learned of this new custom started by... Ms. Michael, and when she returned to France, she made artificial red poppies, raised money for war children, widowed women. The tradition spread to other countries, and we see that tradition still today. So, I'm going to try to locate a red poppy, and on Memorial Day, I'm going to wear one. Maybe you will find one. But a very interesting footnote to Memorial Day. And, again, I remind you that on Memorial Day, it is customary to raise the flag at half-staff until 12 noon, and then at noon, raise it to the top of the staff until sunset. At 3 p.m., we ask that you stop just for a moment of silence to pay tribute and memorialize all those men and women that are forever young on the battlefield and those men and women who served this nation, who are no longer with us. I just read a story about an honor flight, World War II veteran. I believe in his late 90s was coming back, and I can't remember where it was from, but uh, they were coming back from the visit, and he passed away on the airplane. And we are losing so many of our World War II veterans. It is appropriate that we honor them. They are literally a dying breed, the greatest generation And I reflect back to what we hear recently where we hear these college students, these 18, 19, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds saying they need a safe space because they were triggered by someone who has a different opinion than they do. They need a safe space that they feel triggered, they feel violated. Well, I have to chuckle. I have to laugh because there were 16, 17, and 18-year-old boys who were unloading Their boats storming the shores, the beaches of Normandy. There was no safe space. The Nazis built the greatest war machine probably in world history until the Allied forces came around and the Americans. And they fortified the shore of France, the Atlantic Wall, so heavily and so mightily that most people said it couldn't be done. You cannot storm those beaches. But the Americans the Canadians, the Brits, the Allied forces did. Many of them knew they were going in to die. And when we see the video today, or not the video, but the films, and we see the carnage and the bloodshed and the number of our boys that were lost, there was no safe space back in World War II. There are no safe spaces in the Korean War, in Vietnam, in a Desert Storm, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, around the world. So when I hear these pathetic, wussified, beta, baby snowflake students saying that they're triggered, they need a safe space, they're not the greatest generation, they're the weakest generation. So on this Memorial Day weekend, I salute and I remember and pay tribute to all those men and women as well that served our nation. May they all rest in peace. When we come back for the final and concluding segment of this Memorial Day Remembrance edition of the Cigar Dave Show. We'll be joined by Navy veteran Bill Kuzmic, who uh, runs the American Victory Ship overseas, the great American Victory Ship that has been restored here in the Cigar City of Tampa. They've got a very special D-Day drop and a D-Day remembrance, and we have a very special announcement about our D-Day show that we will tell you about when we continue from the Bad Monkey here in Ybor City.
0: The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is a Perdomo Habano Reserve Bourbon Barrel Aged Vertical Sampler, including the Perdomo Habano Bourbon Barrel Aged Connecticut. This medium-bodied Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper offers a rich, creamy smoke with a buttery, smooth finish. Want these cigars shipped directly to you each month? Log on to CigarDave.com to join the Officers Club.
10: Hi, this is Rocky Patel. If you're a beginner or if you just enjoy a great mild cigar like I do in the morning, I suggest you try the Vintage 99. This seven-year-old Connecticut wrapper delivers a creamy, mild, smooth flavor. It's very, very balanced on your palate and it absolutely is delightful. Tons of flavor, a perfect draw, and an incredible ash. This cigar is smooth,
1: The Cigar Dave Show is available 24-7, 365 via the Cigar Dave mobile app for Android, iPhone, as well as Amazon Kindle. You don't need to be in front of a radio. You just need to have your mobile device ready to go. And you can listen to me take on the enemies of pleasure. Talk about the alpha male good life as we talk cigars, spirits, diversions, grilling... Go and download the Cigar Dave mobile app presented by Diamond Crown. Never miss a minute of a Cigar Dave show with the Cigar Dave mobile app.
0: While for many, Memorial Day has come to mean the unofficial start of summer, at the Cigar Dave Show, we never forget the true reason for the holiday, honoring those who made the ultimate sacrifice for the United States of America.
1: And our final segment of this Memorial Day observance show from the Bad Monkey Military Bar, Ybor City, the historic cigar-making area of Tampa. Last day as we record this show on the evening of Thursday, May 23rd, It is the last day of the SOFIC Conference, the Special Operations Forces Industry Conference, and we get just great guests. And again, one more time, I've got to thank General Dave Scott, United States Air Force, and the proprietor owner of the Bad Monkey Military Bar for his hospitality and his wonderful assistance over the last six years, bringing some and, and introducing us to some really great guests. And one of those that we met a couple of years ago that, it's my pleasure to welcome back Navy veteran. That's why we're playing Anchors Away, Bill Kuzmik, who now is uh, oversees the American Victory ship, which is a historically significant ship. We will talk about that. Bill, good to see you again. Good to be here. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Let's talk about the American Victory ship. Steve and I, Sergeant Steve, had a chance to go tour it. Quite the vessel. Some historic significance, and you've taken it out for a little run.
11: We did take it out recently for a nice cruise in uh, in March, and it was an amazing day. We had 25 World War II veterans on board. Each and every one of them got recognized individually, and we had 650 other passengers on board that gave them rave reviews, and and it was really special. It really was. These guys don't have too many more of those. A bunch of them were Navy, Marine Corps vets. A bunch of them were uh, Merchant Marine veterans. Uh, and, and it was neat for them to be back in their, uh, in, their, in their home for one last trip on the
1: water. Let's talk about the American Victory Ship. That was a comfort ship, correct? The, the, the supply victory, ship? The, the victory a supply ship? The Victory was a
11: supply were, ship. There were 534 of them built for World War II to replace the, uh, the much slower yet capable uh, Liberty ships, and they were either built to be troop carriers or, uh, or supply ships, really the backbone of, uh, of the serv- all the services and, and what they did in the World War II D-Day and, and really liberating the world.
1: How many, of the, how many ships are still in service today or wow. still in existence? Wow.
11: You know, uh, of, the, of the Victory ships, of the 534, there's three left. Two are operational. One's in Tampa. Out of the, uh, out of the Liberty ships, there's two left, uh, uh, two operational, one in California and one in uh, Baltimore, Maryland.
1: Tell us about the history of the American Victory ship, how you were able to get it to Tampa, how you restored it. Give us the entire story in the process. D- d- d-
11: really, the ships were amazing pieces of gear. They were built to be practically disposable. Uh, The Victory ships were built to be uh, a little bit faster than the Liberty ships, which is important because that made them a little faster than a U-boat, a submerged U-boat. And that's pretty bad math when you think about a submerged U-boat being faster. And uh, so they went on to uh, our particular vessel, uh, served in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. I always like to tell people it continues to serve today by training after-duty and reserve military police officers, firefighters, working dogs, merchant mariners, you you name it. Uh, and it was uh, it was in a mothball fleet, along with a bunch of others about to be razor blades, And a gentleman, a local Harbor pilot uh, named John Timmel, said, hey, let's grab a piece of living history and bring it back to Tampa and breathe it back to life. And that's what we did back in 1999.
1: I know Bob Franzblau, who uh, sure. owned Thompson's Cigar, Absolutely. who just recently sold Thompson's Cigar about a year ago. But, Bob, I remember coming to me saying, I'm getting involved with this victory ship. We've got to get involved. Dave, you got to mention it on the show. We did. Bob was very active in bringing it back. It was a long effort to, to get it, to bring it back, and to restore it.
11: It's an ongoing effort. I mean, every day, you know, we, we joke all the time, our bosun uh, starts painting at one end of the ship, and by the time uh, she's finished, you start at the other end again. And, and we've got, you know, look, she's almost 75 years old, and, and so to look a little rusty, 75-year-old lady's okay, a little paint and powder. But at the end of the day, uh, we, we, you know, we, we have to step up as a community, just like we recognize our veterans, recognize this, this tangible piece to our past and step up and support her and get her operational again. It really is It's testimony to the greatest generation you mentioned earlier in your show. Um, hey, we don't have many Victory Gardens anymore. We don't have people stepping up and their sons and daughters going off in the service. They do, but not to that great, that great number. And uh, I think it behooves us to keep this kind of history alive.
1: So the American Victory ship is docked right uh, in the Port of Tampa. Yep. And how has the Port been to deal with? Have they been you, you know, I, I, think, I think
11: we're a piece of the Port community and the military community of Tampa, both very strong pieces of the community. Um, I, I, I think uh, as a general rule, ships are tough to uh, get behind in support, not because people don't want to, but because it's a tremendous undertaking. So uh, we have the support of the community. We need a broader support of the community without a doubt. We've got talented men and women that come every day to help out. We've got talented folks who want to support us in every way, shape, and form. But we need the community at large to be aware of what we, re- what we represent and how we're a lifelink to that past uh, war
1: service. So tell me uh, how you got involved with the American Victory Ship because uh, it's a labor of love for you.
11: No, it is. I think so. we got it here tonight, a little cigars and alcohol, probably played a little, a little portion. Uh, Naval Academy graduate, uh, one of my fellow, fellow alumni, uh, gentlemen, uh, a, uh, a, a now recently and respectfully deceased admiral said I've got something I want you to see, once want you to get a part of and I became a, a, one of the young guns on the board of directors and they said to me at one point, hey uh, we got some deck plate leadership, we need your help and I said I'll do it for six months while you find somebody else and that was about ten years ago. Still, still there. Still
1: plugging away. Still there and now people can actually, you can have parties on board Absolutely. and celebrations and you've done many of those.
11: We had a fantastic one for spec ops conference the other night, we had 500 people on board, a live band. Uh, the Bad Monkey provided the uh, beer, wine, alcohol. Mission Barbecue, another tremendous organization, provided food for everybody. And, yeah, we throw great events. No place better on the waterfront to, to be than the American Victory.
1: A couple of things. First of all, you've got some guys that are involved in a D-Day drop. We do. Let's talk about that. Because we D-Day, and we're going to make another announcement right after that. But D-Day, 75th anniversary. And I remember very well the great speech President Ronald Reagan made. Back on the 50th, I believe it was the 40th anniversary of D-Day at Pointe de Hoc. 40th anniversary.
11: Yeah, amazing place. And
1: I remember, you know, why. Why did they do it? And my mother and father visited Normandy. My mother said, I looked at Pointe de Hoc. Pointe du Hoc. She said, I couldn't, how did these Rangers get up there? How did they, how did they do it? Just incredible. But they did it. They
11: did it, and, and I myself have been out there to visit, and it's really it's amazing everything from the beaches of Normandy to to, to the cliffs of Duhok. And the uh, how did they do it? Greatest generation, you said it already. You got I, it. You know, I don't think they ever doubted themselves, and I, I think that's a big part of it. And you know, you mentioned the 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 guys from uh, American Freedom Distillery, who are a tremendous group of Green Berets, become tremendous uh, supporters of the Victory Ship, and. We're happy to kind of support them with an effort recently to get their story out there. We did a, a, a Whiskey and War Stories event on the fantail of the ship and got them to tell their story. And We had some World War II heroes on board that night talking about what they did on those, those great days. And Those guys are going to make another jump. I hope their knees hold up. They're going to make another jump
1: into, into Normandy on D-Day. Well, we had Green Beret Lieutenant Colonel uh, Rob Schaefer yeah. on, and they're going. They're, they're jumping. They're, they're going. They're going. And, in fact, we are going to... Have it. We're going to interview his crew, all the men that are going to be jumping for the 75th anniversary. They're it. I mean, they are the lead jumpers yeah. for this thing. It's big. Coming from yeah. Tampa, we're going to record uh, them before they go next week, and we are going to uh, run that. Uh, we'll probably run it next week, but the other thing I want to mention is big announcement right now. We're going to be recording our D-Day 75th anniversary show right from the American Victory ship. And General Scott's going to be there. You're going to be Absolutely. there. We've got some great interviews from... We actually have one that we did who is no longer with us, but the World War II Museum in New Orleans helped get it up. He was one of the first paratroopers in, behind enemy lines. And we're going to replay that uh, interview. We've got a number of just great interviews that we've got. But we're the I'm proud to say that in the past we've been the only broadcaster, the only radio or television show that has remembered the importance and significance of D-Day. Nobody else has. You barely get a mention on uh, on any of the news programs. We cannot forget the importance and significance of that. That's why I say in the public schools, there should be a mandatory year of World War II history. We don't yeah. have
11: it. We don't have it. And Really, you think about this, is the 75th anniversary of that day, and, and again, having been there and you've been there, it's it's awe-inspiring to be on those shores and look at those cliffs. You You look up, you look down, and you say, how the hell did somebody do this? You know. I think we all consider ourselves patriots, but climbing that damn cliff takes a tremendous set of you-know-what. And they did it. They did it. Uh, while being shot at. Yeah, while being shot at in an in a, in a awkward angle, let me just tell you. You
1: got it. Now, I have not been there, my mother and father, but I that is on my list. Within the next year, I am going to go. And my mother said when she was there, you know, they have steps to go down, yes. and she said, I've got to go down. Something compelled her to go right to the beach. Yeah. She found a bag and took the sand and brought it back, gave some to my sisters, some yeah. to me, has some at, at her home. She said something compelled me, and when I looked at those cliffs, she said, I don't know how they how they did it. And she said it was a gray, gloomy day, similar to the day yeah. uh, on June 6, 1944, and she said she could almost replay and see what was going on, she said when you went to the the cemetery beautiful place the, she said just just hallowed grounds no. and as american territory she said it's just uh, she said you almost have tears nobody says anything no. it's pitch quiet
11: it is it's pitch quiet. It's very respectful and i think what always touched me a little bit was you look around and there's a lot of named uh, names on those those uh, tombstones and every once in a while more more often than you might realize one will just say here lies a soldier known, known but to god yeah, it touches you because there's, there's something that happened there, and and, and it's, it's sovereign U.S. territory uh, that that we that we proudly uh, uh, control and. Um, 75th is important because there's not going to be another major anniversary where there's going to be a lot of these guys around.
1: Nope, there, there's not. And many of them now are already into their late – really past – into their 90s. The guys
11: who were cheating are into their 90s. You know, that's The guys correct. who told the government, I was 17 when and, I was 16. That's right. Or even Think less about that. that. That's
1: right. There were guys 16 who said, yeah, I'm 18. Yeah. And, that, again, we talk about the safe space millennial – not all millennials. we got tremendous numbers of millennials Absolutely. that are serving today. I don't want to paint a broad brush – but you can pick them out. We talked about it. you can pick you can. them out in ten seconds. Yeah. But when you, again, you go back and you see the sacrifice that they made. These at the time they, they didn't need to be drafted. They said, "I'm going." Yeah. Sixteen years old. They're going, and as you say, many of them, they don't know that they're just they're there. No one but the God. No, that's exactly right. And and when you see these movies and watch what happened. I'm always, I don't say fascinated, but I'm just enamored by the bravery of these young boys. You know, and the, the we're going to play next week or two weeks. On, we're going to, by the way, we're going to do our D-Day show two days afterward on June 8th. And the reason being is on June 6th, there's big commemorations on the American victory yeah. ship. And we want to be there for that. Yeah. No. So, but when you hear at the time, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, the Allied commander saying, we're launching a noble mission. You know, you get chills even to this day mm-hmm. when you hear that, and you imagine what they must have been thinking when they heard that the night before. Mm-hmm. Major bravery. Hey, no offense, but look,
11: look to your left, look to your right. One a- of not making Absolutely, back.
1: American Victorship, Give me the website.
11: www.americanvictory.org. Of course, we're on Facebook, American Victory as well. Visit us, help us out. We got great things going on, and we're a proud support of our military community.
1: Bill Kuzmic, Lieutenant Navy retired oversees the American Victory Ship here in Tampa. We will be there on June 6th to record our 75th anniversary D-Day show. We appreciate all your great effort. And I want to thank everyone that was on, Lieutenant Colonel Rob Schaefer, General Dave Scott, Colonel Jim Cordoso, Bill Quigley. Uh, we had uh, Bill Kuzmik, who just joined us. We had Jason Hendricks, Sean Hines, everyone that joined us on this Memorial Day observational edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Cigar Dave, the General saying, Mayor Humor always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper show always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. And on Monday, I ask you to pause, remember, pay tribute to all those men and women that paid the ultimate sacrifice. May they rest in peace. May their memories live forever.